Welcome to our podcast. We are best friends living in the Pacific Northwest, teaching together, learning together, growing together. We hope you'll join us on our journey east of the sun and west of the moon. Stacy, and we are talking about everything east of the sun and west of the moon. That's the name of our podcast, and we chose that because we really wanted to uh, be able to have an open look at anything that floated across our, I don't know, biosphere, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to introduce myself very briefly. My name is Winter. I work as a uh, I don't know. I don't even know sometimes how to explain myself. I have been a yoga teacher. I've taught meditation for a very long time. I've worked um, for about 20-ish years now with people um, interested in finding their own spiritual path. And sometimes that means yoga and sometimes that means um, other forms of interaction and uh, personal development. Um, and I'm a mom, and I live on a forest stewardship in Oregon. And this is Stacy. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um. I. Yes. It isn't it hard sometimes to put into words what we do and yes. about us. So, so, um, I have been teaching yoga for just about twenty years now, and um, I also. I'm a Reiki master and a sound healer and a mom and um, uh, now school teacher and <laughs> turned school teacher and um, all the things. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. We live in the beautiful state of Oregon and yeah, that's it. Yeah. So here it is uh, Friday, the 21st of August. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've just come off of, uh, on the political stage, uh, uh, mm -hmm. sort of precedent setting democratic national convention where everything was remote. And I don't know how much you saw of it, Stacey, you know, I did, yeah. I just watched clips here and there, but Same. it was, it was amazing how intimate and like really present it felt to me, um, mm -hmm. versus the normal sort of, you know, rah rah sis boom bah we're all here in the cool kids group that it normally feels like um and the reason i'm saying that or bringing that up although this is not a show that has a particular political bent although we both have strong views um <laughs> is that it sort of highlighted for me the fundamental change that's happened in the world mm -hmm. and the impact it's having at every level Mm -hmm. And mostly today, I think we wanted to talk about the impact that it's having at a personal level for women. Um, yeah. You know, you and I have talked quite a bit over the past few days about just the, the incredible burden of the last straw <laughs> and yes. both waiting for it to happen. And honestly, how sometimes it's an unexpected and incredibly small thing that suddenly mm -hmm. becomes the difference between I'm coping today and... I'm having a great day today and today is disastrous. Like all those things can happen, you know, around an eyelash. <laughs> it doesn't have to be even something yes. as big as a glass falling on the floor. <laughs> it could just be like 
somebody has once again left the screen door open and that's the last mm. off of the day. So mm-hmm. I guess today what we want to talk about is uh, the last straw, it's it's new meaning in, in this pandemic world and how as women we've been handed um, a heavy emotional burden along with the burden of uh, family and work and uh, schooling at a time when we weren't really expecting to do any of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, as we've been discussing at great length, um, I'm laughing because already this morning I made a huge fuss about the curtains being opened in the wrong direction, (laughs) 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 which is like something inside of me snaps and Mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous and yet my truth right now. So, yeah, I think that's the really important part for me is, you know, Mm -hmm. we put labels like ridiculous and, you know, last Mm -hmm. straw and how can this possibly possibly be bothering you right now and yet Mm. that is the reality of the situation and it I think it has a lot to do with the heightened level of stress that we're all Mm -hmm. living under and then Mm -hmm. this incredible thing that's happened where suddenly somebody quote-unquote somebody has Mm -hmm. to be responsible for the home front kind of like the 50s right (laughs) like all of a sudden it's and there doesn't seem to be much discussion about that it just kind of happens. Now in my household, it's a little different from yours. I know your husband Mm -hmm. is still going away from the house for work and that sets up a whole different dynamic here. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband is, uh, about to start a new job where he will be a hundred percent remote, um, probably for the foreseeable future. So we're just accepting it as reality instead of trying to, you know, pretend that it's temporary. Right. And I think that's something that's a little bit of a key maybe that I hit on yesterday, which is instead of looking at each new situation as, well, we just have to get through this for a little while until something, Mm. you know, until it writes itself or until it goes back to quote unquote normal or how it's going to be. You know, I've been standing on my soapbox of, I don't want it to go back to normal for a long time, but I still find myself in that mindset of, oh yeah, but it's just going to be like this until, you know, fill in the blank. (laughs) Yeah. And so I've started to shift my mindset to more of a, this is the next situation that's presented itself. And now this is the reality. Right. Instead of, you know, trying to stop gap. So for instance, you know, we're doing a lot of rearranging um, inside the house so that each one of us has some at least small space that cannot be intruded on by the other members of the household. And it's a real luxury for us to be able to do that. I I totally recognize that. Um, At the same time, you know, I don't know that we could prevent ourselves from, you know, coming to blows if we weren't taking steps to, you know, make it so that when the person who works has to go and work, they're not, you know, in the line of traffic. Um, but, you know, even accepting that, you know, this is the reality and this is how it's going to be, it still mm-hmm. means that um, no matter how conscious we all are about dividing up chores and blah, 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 the weight of it still sits on me um, because right. he will be working and there is sort of an implicit, please don't bother me around that. And that's as it should be. At the mm-hmm. same time, it just sort of means that now default even though I was homeschooling before, even though blah, blah, blah before, I was also teaching and I was, you know, mm-hmm. leading my circle and ceremony and I was running errands and I was able to get out of the house with the kid when we'd finish school for the day and go to the park and, you know, take the dog out and whatever. And right. now it's just here always. 
Um, so yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of just implied, you know, it's not, it's not like it was not a discussion. Um, and I, and I guess to be fair, like, I don't know what I think that discussion would have looked like or meant, but right. it is interesting how I feel a lot of women have just suddenly been handed the plate, the whole plate. Yeah. And I think, yes, I agree with you. And I think there's, there's also this sort of, um, uh, you know, we've spoken about the comment of, but you're doing the most important work. You're raising the children, right? Like that's yeah. the your highest best, and um, and it's okay. And I speaking for myself, I have had to teach myself that it's okay that I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we have to. The children need to be raised, but we that is not the totality of who we are. Yeah. Um, is a mother and, um, and that is an unpopular view in society to say that I think in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but like my, my feminist hairs on the back of my neck stick up when I think (laughs) like, what, (laughs) you know, like it sort of makes me cringe because yes, I, I know the value of being a mother to my son. Um, but I know that I am, so much more than that. And to be a good mother to my son, I have to honor that too. Exactly. I think what's challenging for me is this idea that seems to persist in our society, Mm. even though it's very outdated and probably the result of a lot of propaganda after World War II, that there's Mm. only one kind of mother to be, to be acceptable. And that's the mother who sacrifices everything for her kids. Yes. Frankly, I don't think that there's only one kind of way to be a mom. I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. I I don't have a biological kid. I have an adopted child. Mm -hmm. I'm still a mom. But Mm -hmm. by the, you know, societal norm that we all are sort of asked to live by, um, you know, there's some question about what kind of mom I actually am. And there's an implicit Mm -hmm. pressure that because I'm not a biological mom that I either have more of a burden to be, you know, exemplary, um, or that somehow I haven't truly experienced motherhood because I didn't bear my child myself. And which just like the eye roll gets really heavy at this point. I, I can't, but, yeah, I know. I can't even like, I can't believe people put words to that kind of garbage, but, but know, you're right. But they, they do. do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so then there's the, this idea that there's one kind of way to be a mom that's acceptable. And then everything else is sort of measured against that. And if you don't meet that, then you're, you know, you've, you've failed in some way or you're lacking or, you know, whatever word you want to use. Um, and I want to acknowledge too that, and, and I want to acknowledge this for every time we do a podcast, we can only really see the view of, you know, who we are. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we can't empathize with other ways that, that women experience this. And certainly we don't ha- have every experience between us. And so we can really only speak to our own. But I can't imagine at this time being um, a mother of color, a mother of a single mm-hmm. mom, a mother mm-hmm. who has to work and doesn't have the ability to stay home with her kid. And so then is forced to send them into a situation that's unsafe. Like there's just really no good answers right now. Yeah. There's really not. Yeah. I spoke to a friend of mine uh, uh, yesterday whose kids are going back to school um, on a hybrid 
plan. I think they go for two days and they're home for three and she's just tearing her hair out. Like there's no way that she can not work. She's the sole income in the family and mm-hmm. but the kids, you know, and she, you know, maybe she could figure out some way of, of, you know, doing childcare differently or whatever, but it's just not practical for her family, for them to be able to maintain the obligations that they have financially. And so mm-hmm. her, her choice is to send her kids to school two days a week. These are not kids that are old enough to like, you know, wear a mask all day. Like that's just not going to happen. Right. It's unrealistic to think right. that, you know, eight and, and six year old are going to wear their mask all, however many hours they're asked to be at school. So then she also has that burden too. Of, it's, mm-hmm. You know, she has the guilt of, I, I quote unquote did this to my kids. Right. Yeah, there's there's a a huge I like how you put it. There's a huge burden and I don't think, you know, I know of some people that have really sought out trying to find schooling for their kids because mm-hmm. the desperation of like I can't have my kids at home with me all day. I need to work and do whatever and I completely sympathize. Um and it's such a tough call and I don't I have no judgment to any of that because I think we're all just doing the best we can with what we have and the information we have. And, um, that's still such a muddy deal anyway. So, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, one of the things I'm trying to remember is, um, and you, you know, it's hard because we both have well, I guess everybody has mothers that have not raised children in a pandemic. (laughs) So it's, I just keep trying to tell myself, like, there is no rule book or playbook or like you should be doing, or this should be, this is the precedented way because this is, no one has had to do this before. And, um, so when I get that sort of information or feedback or, you know, I'm going to say criticism. Uh, I just keep telling myself like, you know, that's great. Everybody has their opinion about what we should be doing and how we should be taking care of our kids and, you know, yeah. how many freaking flashcards we should do in a day. Oh <laughs> I just, and I'm just like, I, nope, I got it. I'm doing, I'm yeah. doing what I feel like I can handle and feel like my child can handle too. Yes. And I would just underline that, like, since I'm a longtime homeschooler, I feel like in some mm-hmm. ways I have a, a leg up, um, you know, for people who are trying to do this for the first time. Yeah. I think, I think back to, you know, when, when my child was in first grade and we, and we unexpectedly tackled this and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. for one thing, I'd railed most of my life about the idea of being an elementary school teacher since it really runs in my family. <laughs> and I never really felt I was suited for it. Um, but I would just say like the most important thing about homeschooling is you have this wonderful opportunity to let your child lead when he's mm-hmm. ready to learn and when he's not, yeah. or when she's ready to learn and when she's not. And that freedom and ability to be like, oh, you need to go outside and run around for five minutes, particularly for boys because they are really fidgety. Like mm. that's that's a huge gift that you should embrace and take full advantage of. Like it's mm-hmm. it's good to let them to let it not be what it has to be when kids sit in school. There was a really interesting um, post I saw. I know I shared it with you. Um, a, uh-huh. a child psychiatrist who specializes in like emergency child psychiatry was like this is unprecedented. I know we keep using that word, but it really is. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, it's okay for kids to miss a day, a week, a month. Like it's not going to kill them. It's not going to change the outcome of their education. Like for kids to not go to school because of trauma is actually a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, everyone responds to things differently. And again, that, you know, that box that we try to put women and mothers in about how they're supposed to be, we do the same thing to kids by telling them they need to go to school and fit in and be able to sit for six hours a day and pay attention the whole time and never have, yeah. you know, like we, we really put a lot of burden on kids to be a certain way around education. There's no proof that educating kids that way is actually any better than any other way you can educate kids. So it just happens mm -hmm. to be a way that's very convenient for our society to, to do that, do it that way. Cause we don't have good social programs for people. So yeah. Now I want to get down that rat hole because I could be in there forever. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I do feel like it's, you know, as first time homeschoolers, like really take advantage of the time that you have been given to allow kids to find the way that works best for them for learning. And you may ultimately find that that means that they don't fit very well into the typical educational system. And if you can manage it, that's probably okay. There are lots mm -hmm. of alternative schools, you know, that you can do if it turns out to be the case for you. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, so we were talking yesterday about how, um, about how uh, doing this burden, keeping ourselves in this space leads to a lot of disconnection with mm -hmm. other parts of our lives and other parts of ourself. And yeah. that's something I wanted us to talk about a little bit because I certainly am experiencing it and the guilt that goes with it. Like, well, you say oh, yeah. you're a fill in the blank, but you're not doing fill in the blank. So are you really still oh. a fill in the blank? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And that applies to like, you could put anything in that box. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. But for you and I, it tends to be a disconnection with the spiritual practice, which is really hard. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, um, because there is such a strong emphasis on this kind of need to hunker down and take care of the family and, um, and all of that, that it's just like, we're just, I mean, for myself, it's like, you're just trying to keep your head above water each day and, um, and the laundry rolling and, the <laughs> and there be enough food for our ferocious children. Um, and, and so, um, and we spoke about this, and I think that this is absolutely accurate, that there's just the energy expenditure of that um, mentally and physically and otherwise makes it really challenging It's to do the other work and the spiritual yeah. practice. And yeah. it isn't like I can even argue I don't have enough hours in my day or mm -hmm. any of that because that is absolutely not true. Yeah. Um, it's just that prioritizing that at the moment just feels like so much. Yeah, it does feel like so much. And I know a lot of people find a lot of solace in, in their spiritual practice. And mm. so, you know, if you are finding that that's wonderful and I'm, you mm -hmm. know, I'm very happy uh, there are people that are finding this is a time where they're sort of doubling down on that. However, yes. I don't really feel like that's, that's the case for, well, I know it's not the case for us and I suspect there are other people too there. And there's kind of a guilt associated with that. Like, well, you know, why aren't you finding that, right. you know, if this is supposed to be your path or this is supposed to be this great thing that you're doing, why are you finding that's not, that's not quote unquote there for you now that you need it. And mm -hmm. 
you know, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, actually kind of curious what you think about that. Like, why do you think that this thing that you've leaned on or, or said is so important to you? Why do you think that suddenly it's, you know, not there for you when you'd want it to be? Hmm. I think for me, for 20 years, my identity has been wrapped up in being a yoga teacher mm-hmm. and sort of all that that encompasses or maybe all that people think that encompasses. I'll say that whatever yeah. that perception is of being, you know, just, you know, I, I kind of feel like people think it's like this kind of moral high ground in a way like, oh, you've <laughs> yeah. got your shit together, <laughs> which is super funny to me because um I'm still a human being like everyone else. And I think that much of what we've talked about is sort of my disenchantment with the yoga community mm-hmm. um, over the years. I'm going to say over the last three-ish mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. there's sort of been an unraveling for me of of what that looks like mm-hmm. and what we perceive a yogi to be here in the West or um or even what we perceive a teacher to be, um, or even what we perceive yoga to be. And so, um, I think I've just disenchanted by that whole thing. And there's, uh, and, um, as you know, in many of the, um, lineages, there's just a disgust for me of the, you know, sexual assault. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing it rampant in every corner of, society it's not exclusive to yoga but in all of that it's really made me feel like what i leaned on for so long i'm really looking at like i don't know that it was the yoga i think it was the the ritual the practice the Mm -hmm. you know the 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 aspects of it for me yeah and so in some ways i feel like i don't even want to get down with that right now because i'm still pretty beat up about my experience working in a studio, my experience um, following a teacher that turned out to be, you know, someone who sexually assaulted women. And, you know, I think I just feel still pretty raw from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point, especially when everything else is also so heightened, Mm. you know, to add it. I think it's like that with everything, you know, there's a, there's a description of someone who has um, post-traumatic stress disorder, which I've mm-hmm. coped with in the past, where um, mm-hmm. it's called hypervigilance. And it essentially means that you operate at like a nine and a half all the time, mm. like a nine and a half of panic, a nine and a half of burden, a nine and a half of worry, anxiety, pain, like whatever, sure. however it manifests for you, you're always almost at the top of the meter all the time. Yeah. And then something happens and then all of a sudden you're over the top of that. And I feel like that's sort of where I'm operating right now um, Mm. a lot of the time. And that kind of gets back to that whole, you know, last tiny little straw thing is like, you know, if you're always at the end of your rope, (laughs) there's (laughs) there's not not a lot left. left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and I feel like that um, for me, it's more of a capacity an emotional Mm. capacity challenge than it is a time challenge or a desire challenge. Like, Mm -hmm. and we talked about this too. Like I have a full roster of things that I could choose to do. And I have weirdly the time 
Right. But not the capacity. And I think that's a different sort of perspective to look at and a way that we in the West don't often look at things. I think for us, it's um, there's a, an adage in tech work, time, money, and talent. You have to have two of the three mm. or you can't get anything done, right? And mm. I think in a way, it's, it's sort of like that in, in the situation that we're in now. Like you have to have the capacity to do all of it. And if you, do, if you have the time, but you don't have the capacity or the emotional energy, it doesn't matter how much time there is. And as Western people, I think we often feel like, well, if there's, you know, time is money. Like if you have time, mm. you should be shucking your buns and getting something done. And here you have all this time and you're not, you know, you say you're this and you have all this time and you're not using it. <laughs> Completely yeah. ignoring the fact that you may not have like the emotional or mental energy to do it, even if the time is there. Um, you know, I, I've always been an avid reader my whole life and, yes. uh, all of a sudden I'm finding that I am like plowing through books. Like I'm reading easily five books a week right now Yeah, because that's yeah. what I have the ability to do on top of all the other stuff that's, you know, expected in running a household. And, you know, we should probably mention that I'm still in pretty much total quarantine because of my, um, immune position. Yeah. And so, you know, that adds that extra little fun thing of who knows what's going on out there. Cause I've been out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that great. <laughs> yeah, But also just like, you know, although I'm extraordinarily fortunate to have a large amount of outdoor space to be in, it's mm -hmm. still sort of a little bit of a gilded cage. Like, you know, I love yeah. it here. I feel really responsible for my land at the same time. Like, you know, yeah, it's still the novelty yeah. of going to get gas for your car is sort of alarming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it just dawned on me, honestly, as you're saying about books and as we're talking about like spiritual practice and not having the capacity. And I am drinking my coffee out of my um, bookworm mug of currently, course. FYI. Of course. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like in the realm of, and I don't know if this makes sense, but in the realm of finding our new normal or like this is how life is right now, I guess if I'm really thinking about my spiritual practice, um, it is in my reading. It is in my um, being on my bike and riding through the forest or running mm -hmm. in the forest. I just think that maybe and maybe this is my yogic brain is that i feel like in order to have a spiritual practice my ass has to be on the cushion mm -hmm. um or i have to roll out my orange yoga mat or whatever <laughs> right yeah. but but i think i would say i still have a spiritual practice it just doesn't look like it used to mm -hmm. um and yeah maybe it's just kind of reframing spiritual practice in a mm -hmm. way. Yeah. I, the, where I come to in all of this is that, um, sometimes what we're being offered is not what we think we should be doing. Mm. And there's that insidious word that all of us need to really look out for the, the <laughs> shoulds. Right. Yeah. And we, um, I, for a long time, it was banned from my vocabulary. I, and I would catch myself saying it a dozen times a day. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And I think that's an outside judgment. You know, that's, that's the 
the fear or the awareness that other people may say something about what you should be doing or you're saying what you should be doing to yourself. And it has really very little to do with the actual internal you. Um, right. And what that being craves and, you know, is nourished by and, and lives with. So I feel that perhaps what we're being offered is not, we can't see it very well because it doesn't sit in alignment with what we think we should do as a spiritual person, as a spiritual teacher, as a yoga instructor, you know, however you want to look at your offering, you know, there are a lot mm -hmm. of rules about what that should look like to be authentic. So perhaps what we're being offered because it doesn't sit in alignment with that feels like it's not either not real or valid or, or is disguised because we're not actually able to see. Yeah. 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 I think it's, yeah, I think you nailed it with that. Yeah. I still feel like there's a lot of very tiny straws sitting over my head, ready oh. to deposit themselves on my very full plate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yo, a hundred percent. And, and, and in, in this avenue of like, really, you know, it isn't that I don't desire to have a more... Uh, I don't even know how I would categorize it, but more of a spiritual practice, right? Mm -hmm. I want to go build fires in the contained fires in the forest and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> safe ones, yes. you know, but I mean, yeah. and, you know, gather the wood and, and do the, you know, do the real work. Um, and to give ourselves grace that like, there will be a time for all of that. And we will make a time for that when it's right. But mm -hmm. Just the way that we can, I think for me, the way that I need to need to really keep showing up is just to look at all the moments in my day that if I settle down and not, yeah, it can get out of panic mode, I can realize that, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, Jack Cornfield teaches about that, like that even washing the dishes is a spiritual practice mm -hmm. if we are actually connected to what we're doing. Um and yeah, I would love to, maybe this is an, another entire, another show, hmm. but really stripping down that idea that spiritual practice has to be hours on your cushion yeah. or just standing on your head or whatever yeah. that shit is, because, <laughs> <laughs> because that I've told my students forever, as far as I can tell, no one reaches enlightenment by doing a forward fold and touching your toes. Yeah. So we have to reframe what spiritual practice looks like, I think, especially in this time period. I think that's a whole nother topic. I do too, but I think it's an important, you know, I think it's an important piece of information, you know, for mm -hmm. all of this that, you know, not everything looks the same now and maybe it's always not looked the same, but we're being given the opportunity to see that it doesn't yeah. look the same in a way that we haven't before. Yeah. Yeah. So when we leave here and we leave our little sacred space that we make when we have our conversations. Yes. What straw are you going to take off your plate today? Mm. Don't say the curtains. <laughs> I already fixed those. <laughs> oh, you know my OCD tendencies. So it can't be anything related to my house. <laughs> But what if you gave yourself permission to, to, to choose one thing that isn't going to feel like the last straw today? 
Um, yeah, I'm going to let go today of needing my son to perfectly make his bed. Oh, that's a good one. Your son makes his bed. <laughs> I told you, I have OCD. No, I know. It's good. It's all good. Chore uh, chart. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, we have, mm. we are using chore busters and it is quite the experience. Let me tell you, we've mm. always done lots of chores anyway, but, um, yeah, it's, it's good for him to see that we all have chores. So our chore chart has everyone's chores on it. Yeah. So that he what I'm, sees that. And what I mean by the perfection of the bed making is mm. I know that he made his bed this morning. Mm -hmm. I am not going to go in there and straighten it. Oh, that very is good. My, that is my normal tendency. Okay, well, good for you. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> How about you? Well, so I'll just I'll I'll sustain alignment with you. I am not going to go into my son's bedroom and put all of his books back on his shelf, even though I've mm. asked him to do it a million times, and it makes absolutely no difference if the books are on top of his dresser or on the shelf. It does not matter. I don't need to have that be, be that way. So yeah. um, I'm just going to leave it alone. And they're not on the floor. It doesn't matter that they're not on the shelf, preferably in order with the series that it belongs to. And, <laughs> <laughs> and potentially potentially larger books on the bottom. And, I can Yeah, wait. okay. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm nope, be don't like, do it. You know, he, he, they're, they're quote-unquote put away as far as he's concerned. Yes. <laughs> perfect <laughs> okay <sighs> well I think we should take a deep breath mm -hmm. and exhale all that out okay now we're going to go take up the mantle of being mm. women in the household again sounds good alright see you next time we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have any questions or you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website, morganandfreya.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever your favorite podcast lives. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey east of the sun and west of the moon.